Iowa everywhere. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We recommend listening to the CW Pod with a glass of Steeple Ridge bourbon. Mm. Grown, distilled, well-rested, and bottled in Erling, Iowa. Now, from the Channel Seed Studios, this is the CW Pod, fueled by Steeple Ridge. What is up, and welcome to this week's CW Pod here on Iowa Everywhere. I know you guys are going to absolutely love this one, because who doesn't love it when Dan McCarney jumps on a podcast? My main man, Danny Mack, hanging out down in beautiful Florida, took the time to not only talk... Yeah, we did some of the old Iowa and Iowa State stories, but we talked a lot about just the current happenings in college football, name, image, and likeness, coaching salaries, realignment. We hit on it all in today's CW Pod, which is always presented by our friends at the Lonely Oak Distillery, specifically their lovely Steeple Ridge bourbon. I like the Steeple Ridge single barrel bourbon. It is in the black label. You can tell anytime you go to a liquor store what Steeple Ridge is because they have the trademark penny right at the front. It's a beautiful bottle. It is a wonderful gift for somebody who you might love. Start thinking about that as we near the holidays. But I, I really love the fact that it is just every bottle is created, distilled. Everything is made in Erling, Iowa. It is an award-winning craft bourbon, and it's made by great, great Iowans. My main man, Pat Hoffman, who I love like a brother, he does phenomenal work. And their company continues to grow as they're making, again, this handcrafted Iowa bourbon whiskey, Steeple Ridge. I want you to pick out one and thank them for supporting what we do here, specifically on the CW Pod at Iowa Everywhere. Here in the... um, Channel Seed Studios right now. I've got three bottles. I have I have not tried the sweet mash rye. I might need to take that home and give it a sip tonight as I do my uh, podcast with John Miller. I think I might do that. Uh, the Steeple Ridge White Label, and again, my favorite is the Black Label. 
Uh, it's for a little bit more of a mature palate. If, you, if you're not into the bourbon thing, I would pick up a bottle of the white label first, but this black label is to die for. It is really good stuff. We thank our friends at Steeple Ridge. With that, let's bring on the iconic Dan McCarney. All right, Coach. Well, actually, I believe the the last time we had a conversation and did one of these was when our when our old buddy Mike Leach passed away, which which was a real real bummer, Coach. But it's it's great to hear your voice again. How are you doing down there in, in sunny Florida, my friend? Great, really good, uh, Chris. Great to be with you again. And uh, life's good. Staying on the go. It's a different kind of busy than you are when uh, you're a head coach, but but I'm really enjoying it and. Uh, you know, the older you get, the more you really, really appreciate your friends and your family. I, I've never taken any of that stuff for granted, but the older you get, the more you really appreciate that. And it's always fun to stay in touch with uh, former players, former coaches. And the good thing is I still got a lot of coaches out there uh, in America still coaching. And so come Saturdays, I'm flicking those TVs and the channels and following these games. And and, uh, and so I can see all their games and cheer for them. It's a lot of fun this time. You know, I, yeah, I, I was actually thinking about that. But it's funny you mentioned it because I was going through last night when I was preparing to talk to you and going through kind of your your coaching tree and um, a lot of the the guys that I remember that that I used to work with from your staff at Iowa State and how they're scattered all over the place now. What what is a Saturday like for you down there in Florida? Walk us through a day in the life of Dan McCarney in 2023 on a college football Saturday. Yeah, uh, I get up, walk the dog, I go to the gym, I go to the country club and swim, I, I uh, get on my bike and ride and get everything done, my rest of the yard work, whatever needs to be done by the time those first games kick off. And then, uh, I, honestly, I just, I don't like being around a posse of people when I get invited to a lot of places to go uh, to this group and that group of people, go to this bar and we go here and watch games, we want you with us and I really like to sit down without any interruptions and distractions and just watch college football. It's just so much fun. And uh, I get out to see some games in person, but if I'm home here now, I don't want a lot of uh, interruptions. As Margie knows, I just want to watch football and, uh, but I'm flipping the channels. I'm going, I'm just like the other night, for example, Chris, here's Notre Dame and and, uh, Ohio state, incredible football game. Anybody that watched it, if you just love college football, that's what it's all about. Um, it just seems like every Margie goes, do you have ties with every game that's played? <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's, here's Tony Alford, the running back coach at Ohio state was with me all those years at Iowa yeah. state. What truly great running back coach is one of the great people in America. Mickey Marotti, strength coach at Ohio state was with us from, I was with, we were together in Florida and we won the national championship. Todd Fitch, offensive analyst, Iowa state was with me at Iowa state, did a phenomenal job for me. Notre Dame left tackle, Joe Alt, number 76, unanimous first team, all American preseason will be a first round draft pick. That was my first big get at the university of Iowa. I recruited John Lott when the whole country wanted him and we hadn't won in 20 years at Iowa. And I was my first guy at a Columbia Heights high school in Minnesota. And J- John was an all American for us. First rounder. He's in the circle of fame, the Kansas city chiefs. And uh, his son, Joe looks exactly like him. Same number, same punch, same athletic, Six seven three twenty as a junior at Notre Dame. So it's not just watching football to watch. Football. 
But there's so many of those games like that, Chris, where they're just, you know, people and it makes it even more fun for me, more enjoyable and more meaningful when you get to watch those games. Yeah, no, I believe that. And I hadn't even thought about that, that a lot of these guys that you recruited probably now have have kids that are playing across the country. Let me ask you this, Mac, because the game has changed a lot, right? Like there's we've got the NIL now. We've got all the conference realignment, all that stuff. Do you still enjoy it just like the actual the 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 game, right? Take all the peripheral stuff, peripheral stuff out of the way. Do you still um, do you still love the game like you did? Oh, no question. And you're just you miss it. There's there's some things I miss terribly about um, being a part of it. And the the biggest one, Chris, to me was always regardless of whether a guy's a little guy, a big guy, a medium sized guy, a six seven three thirty guy there's still boys on the inside when you get them out of high school at 17 or 18 years old. And they may look like grown ass men, but they're not. And they still need to mature. They still need to grow. They need, they still need life's lessons. And that impact that you hopefully have on most young men when they're going through that process and help them to grow and mature and get ready for that big old life out there after football someday. That's the thing that I really missed. And then being in those locker rooms and, and, and when people say you can't do something and you do it and you'll never do this and you will, and you're probably not going to do this and you did it, you know, just those Mm. things of, of uh, never accepting losing, always expecting to win and, and and handling the ups and downs and, and the adversities and the successes of each other. That's what you really miss, but to watch football and enjoy it, We'll be honest with you. I do sleep better on Saturday nights now, no matter how many of my guys lost that day and might have lost a game that day. That I care about in the schools that I coached at. I sleep pretty easy. On that <laughs> so after being deprived for decades, uh, going through that profession, and now I still sleep pretty good. Uh, that's great. And you, you told me you're you're coming back to Iowa, actually uh, on the seventh for the TCU game. They're honoring the they're doing the hundred anniversary of Jack Trice. That'll be That'll be fantastic. You, you, you're fascinating to me, Mac. I, I mean, I've known you for a long time, um, but when I was when I grew up, you were kind of the antithesis of the Hawkeyes, right? Like a guy my age, I didn't even realize at the time. Of course, I do now. Your background with the University of Iowa, but you were just a thorn in their side. You, you, uh, you got in there and you stuck a thorn in, in Coach Fry's side, and you really changed. I, I tell everybody. Um, 1998 is the modern day era is what I call it of Iowa State football because to me that's when everything changed was 98 when you were able to break that streak and your program grew from there but now like you're one of those few people coach when you come back everybody loves you like even Iowa fans now like I I never see or hear an Iowa fan say a bad word about you that's pretty cool congratulations on that yeah thanks Chris I don't I don't that's accurate or not, but I, I sure do by coming back and I'll always be proud of my roots. Um, 36 years in Iowa city grew up there. My dad was chief of police. My mom worked at the dental school for 30 years or still a scholarship in her name. Uh, just incredible opportunity. I signed a big eight letter of intent conference letter of intent at Iowa state when Johnny majors and Jackie Sherrill recruited me. Um, that's when they, I had some really good teams. They went to a couple bowl games. They did them um, right at the last second. I decided to stay in Iowa City and play at Iowa, and never a part of a bowl game or a winning um, season as a player. 
um, that was really hard to accept, but you grew, you learned. Um, I didn't know at the time I was going to spend 45 years in division one football as a player and coach. Um, but then I got to be part of those magical years from scratch with Hayden Fry and that um, well-documented staff, all of us together following his plan and doing the things we needed to. And there's Rose Bowls and there's Gator Bowls and there's Peach Bowls and there's Holiday Bowls and and to, to be a part of all that. And of all places, after all those years at Iowa, we had our one in 10 to 10 and one run at Wisconsin with Coach Alvarez. Then I get a chance to come in and try and do it on my own as a head coach. Um, at a place that I will always cherish and always love, Ames, Iowa, and the Cyclones and, and uh, the unbelievable experiences and things that we were able to do together there. So I'm in real shoes, uh, Chris, that I got to coach, uh, play at, at, at Iowa, but coach at both of those schools where there's so many coaches in the profession that in their lifetime would give anything just to go to one of those schools and have the opportunity. I had at both of those schools. Yeah. You know, another guy I've been thinking a lot about lately coaches is is your buddy, Bill Snyder. I've, I've come to the, the older I've gotten, I really appreciate the guys who can do more with less, right. Where, where you went at a place that potentially, you you know, that, that hasn't done it. You, you certainly did that with Iowa state. Um, I, I, that's why I always love leech. You know, because Leach was like, he's in Lubbock, Texas. He's in Pullman, Washington. He's in Starkville, Mississippi. These are not football machines. But I've been I've been thinking a lot about, because Kansas State, they got a really good athletic department. Like, that that place is really cool. I don't know when the last time you've been to Manhattan was, but it's it reminds me a lot of Iowa State in the sense that you kind of look at it and it's like you don't even recognize it from the early days. I, I don't know. In a weird way, Coach, I, I think Bill Snyder is is underrated. Is that is that fair for me to throw? I mean, the guy has a statue, so he's not too underrated. But I don't know. Like, I, I, I really think um, – that your old buddy Bill Snyder, man, we we, we as a college football um, industry need to give that guy more props. Yeah, I, I think no, I'm with you, Chris, and I don't think there's anyone or any entity or any group of people or any history historians looking back on it that could give him too much credit. I don't think there's anything that's I don't think that's possible because I remember vividly um, I spent a decade with Bill uh, along with Kirk Ferentz and Barry Alvarez and Bobby Stoops and Mike Stoops and Mark Stoops and Brett Bielema. Bielema was playing at 190 pounds as a walk on. You know, we were all together at Iowa at the same time under Hayden Fry's leadership. And uh, we just finished that um, 88 season and Bill Snyder came in and, and we knew that he, he kept things very close to best, very quiet, very confidential, but we knew he interviewed at Kansas state. And when he just came in and told us all that he was going to be leaving and that would be it uh, for his run at, at university of Iowa. Uh, and then, but he didn't tell us where, and then we're sitting there kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. He goes, I've, I've accepted the job at, at Kansas state university. And they were horrible. As you remember, Chris, when you look back at it, oh, they were the, the worst, they were the worst program in the country. No question. No question. But none of us, we were surprised that he took that job. We were not surprised one bit that he would have great success, history-making success, elite success. None of that surprised us because when you're in the trenches with someone about 355 out of the 365 days of the year, college coaching, and you're with your coaching staff and your players much more than you are your own families, you have a pretty good feel for greatness. And that was Bill Snyder. But you can't really, I learned this a long time ago, Chris, you can't really put a value on great leadership, but mm. you can sure put a thing. 
and the, the face that I always would will always remember and put a great face uh, uh, for leadership is Bill Schneider. Yeah, no, I, like I say, I was thinking about that. And it, it's weird because nobody really had success there after him except Kleiman. And I think Kleiman is kind of like a chip off the old block when it comes to Bill Snyder. I, I don't I'm I'm getting old, Mac. I'm becoming more of a historian than I am paying attention to what's actually going on now with that. Um, I I would love to pick your brain on conference realignment on NIL, just the transfer portal. Well, do you do you have any opinions on all this stuff that's that's kind of been going on, Mac? Or are you kind of uh, um, I don't really have anything to do with it, so you don't you don't have too much of an opinion. What what do you think about just the current state of the game? Well, obviously. <laughs> Uh, it changes everywhere. We all know that. What I don't want to ever lose, what I hope uh, the finish of my lifetime and long after I'm gone, I hope everybody that is involved in the game still understands it's still about student athletes. It's about young people. It's about giving them every opportunity to grow and learn and get ready for the rest of their lives along the way. Hopefully uh, not making uses and make instead make history and have those great experiences and and those unbelievable memories that you want to make but i hope they'll never lose one of the most important things to me and it's always been this way since i started playing the game all through the time that i finished coaching was to always respect the game and respect the integrity of the game i hope whoever puts those coaching hats on as head coaches coordinators assistants administrators all of them i hope that they'll always do a great job with that Obviously, um, the NIL thing right now, I, I, I love it. I, I, I beat a lot of drums in my day trying to get more for the student athletes within the rules, more for them, uh, and did everything I could, uh, whether it was locally, regionally, board of trustees, with the national, with, with the coaches' foundation, um, just doing all that we could, and, and that never came to fruition while still coaching. Since I got out, obviously, now we have the NIL. Um, I don't like that we right now that th there's not enough guardrails, there's not enough param parameters, there's not enough guidelines, there's not enough rules. It was not put in so that guys could go gamble. It was put in so that could guys go uh, uh, on uh, vacations in the Bahamas. It was good. It was put in. Let's help these young young women make their lives better while they're going through college and help them have a better experience. And but. I like it right now that let's appreciate and let's respect and let's honor and let's take care of them. Already done a really good job at their universities, Chris. Yeah. I don't, I don't like it that it's being used as an incentive to recruit. I don't. Um, and it clearly at some of the top schools in this country. And then it's the, what falls way in the back end. Then, as you know, Chris is, Education, uh, the the staff that's in place, the systems that's in place, the the, the relationships that you have, the 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 chemistry on a coaching staff because chemistry on a football team always begins on chemistry on a coaching staff. Uh, the phenomenal fans, the support, all that stuff sounds good, but it's way secondary if somebody's just throwing a whole bunch of money at you and you don't have a lot of means or you don't come from a lot of means much money obviously that really can impact decisions and that part i don't like the transfer portal uh i'm just glad i'm not in coaching right now to have to, to not be able to have complete control of your roster for 12 months 
that merely would be hard. And I think it's quite, as you know better than I do, I think it's twice a year now that you can transfer and get in the transfer portal. But just to manage your roster, to control your roster, to know what you have, one through 120, uh, at, at those times of year when they just pack their bags and take off, they pack their bags and take off because they're not happy. They pack their bags and take off because they want to go to this place for more money. They pack their bags after you've matured them, helped them grow, coached mm-hmm. them, got them ready have these great careers and they've already had success at your school, but then they want to go someplace else for that last year. That would be gut wrenching for me because of the relationships that I always took pride in building with those young men and their families. That would be really hard to answer your question. Yeah. And from, I don't know what you're hearing from your buddies who are, are still in the business for what, well, from what I understand specifically in the, in the sport of basketball. And I know generally whatever happens in basketball, football is going to follow up. Uh, basketball is just easier for the bad actors to infiltrate because there's not as many players is what I've learned. But the agents, you know, the agent world is, is now really gotten into this. And and that, that's where it scares me, coach. Like I, I want these guys and gals to be able to monetize their, their names and likeness and all that. But, you know, the problem I always have with basketball and I felt like, you know, I covered recruiting for a long time. I felt like it kind of stayed out of football just for a little bit because you didn't have AAU, right? Like, but then seven on seven starts and, you know, bad actors kind of seeped into football, but it just took a little bit longer. Um, these, these agents now, and you know, when agents and lawyers get involved with anything, it's about the bottom dollar. And you know, that I'm not saying it's not important for these guys, but specifically in the sport of football, it's like, you know, you're not playing just for a four-year contract. You're trying to make it in the NFL, or most of these guys aren't going to play in the NFL, so you do need to get that degree. Like it, that's the part of it that I don't like. It's just who are these, who are these agents looking out for, right? And 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 generally, it's for themselves. I just I just don't trust them, no, Coach. No, you great point, Chris. Great point, and I'm with you a thousand percent on that. And those mediators and the and this guy and that one who can you trust who can't you trust is the family really involved in this decision or no they've got an agent they've got this aau guy and it's been going on as we both know in basketball for a long time but not to this extent and now legally that the nil is available now you're getting into major major incredibly amounts of money and it just goes back to what I said before. I like it when you take care of people once they've come and they've proven and they've done a great job. They've taken care of their classroom. You know, I learned a long time ago, there, there's two types of education, Chris. You know, one that one that teaches us how to make a living and hopefully get ready for the rest of your life after your sport is done, whenever that is. The other one teaches you how to live and to lead. And those were things that we always took great pride in as head coaches. I always did. And I know the best ones I was around. We always wanted to do that. But there's really no shortcuts to it. And let's not make it so easy and throw all this money at guys and young ladies before they've ever even played a down of college athletics. That's one of the things that bothers me um, that, as we go on. But there's no question there's got to be some controls with this thing because everybody that I still talk to feels like, for the most part, it's out of control rather than in control. Mac, do you feel like you're, you're – industry gets a bad rap sometimes and, and there are there are bad guys in coaching right we're not naive like there's there's guys who i'm sure you don't want to be associated with but like the the one thing and, and i'm really close to this i get to see how the sausage is made which is normally a blessing not always um 
But I, I think because the coaching salaries have gotten so high, it wasn't really the case when you coached. But when these guys are making seven, eight, nine million dollars a year, or whatever, the public perception is that they just don't that that it's all about money now. Where, you know, I, I get to see up close, like it, it's really not. They do care for the most part about these these. You know, I I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but like there there seems to be something that's off because what what I'm hearing from you is how much you loved your players and I got to see it on a daily basis when you were the head coach at Iowa State um not all these guys are like that but man I I still feel like most these guys in coaching get into it for the right reasons don't you well I do I and but you're you hit on a really important thing and and I've I've gotten an opportunity to speak at different groups of people one of the things about as you know, Chris, uh, when you go through athletics, um, most people are really driven, and it's that way, in, especially at major college level, Division One, Power Five, men's and women's sports, they're really driven. It's why so many CEOs and leaders of companies and businesses and presidents and COOs and all these, why do they always like to interview former athletes? Because of those reasons. They're mm-hmm. loyal, they're driven, they're hardworking, they, they, they understand the competitive excellence and not settling for getting your butt kicked. And, and, and there's not, there's no excuses out there. Let's make memories. Let's not make excuses, all those things. But the reason I got into it and so many of them in my lifetime and so many in my era, it sure as hell wasn't money. Uh, Bob Cummings gave me $10,000, Tom Hayes and I, at University of Iowa in 1977. It was the first time that uh, Division One football allowed part-time coaching. What was great about that, Chris, it, 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 before it was just graduate assistants and full-time. Well, graduate assistants can't go on the road and recruit. When they allowed for two part-time coaches, uh, we could go on the road and recruit and and coach so that was my first experience to get on the road and be around kent stevenson who was a phenomenal coach my coach at iowa went into the nfl had great success retired in the state of iowa now he took me with him it went with him and said let's go you're going to help me recruit let's go so i got some of that firsthand experience so ten thousand the first time twelve thousand the second year we all get fired at university of iowa bob Cummings staff aiden fry came in gave me an opportunity i had no idea i was shocked Gave me an opportunity to be a tight end coach for $18,000. The defensive line coach leaves in three months to go back to Texas. He gives me the defensive line for $24,000. You think I was getting into it for for money? Mm-hmm. It had nothing. To, it was giving back to the game that was so good to you. The, the honor to give back to this game that meant so much that I've been playing since seventh grade. And I got the opportunity to do that. And then hopefully help young guys grow and, and get better with their football and get better with their lives. And I was damn hooked, even though I didn't grow up saying that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to coach someday. Got cut twice in the NFL. Wasn't good enough. Ken Stevenson was the one that said, you need to get your ass into coaching. Bob Cummings gave me the opportunity as a graduate assistant for two years and then part-time for two years. And then the rest is history when Hayden Fry came in. But to answer your question, Chris, none of us got into it for the money. Yeah. But I worry that now because it's all well publicized and you see the head coach's salaries and the coordinator's salaries and the money the guys are making. It's like the other day, and I'm not trying to be a wise guy or disloyal to anybody, but I'm watching the Ohio State Notre Dame game like everybody else. Nowadays, you, I mean, coaches have to put additions on their staff meeting rooms because there's so damn many coaches. I've never seen so many coaches in all my life. <laughs> there, hell, there's players sometimes on the sidelines. There's the list is endless, 
And you're going to tell me in a Division One major college, big time, top ten matchup between Notre Dame and and Ohio State comes down the last two plays, and your asses can't get eleven guys on the field the last two plays of the game. <laughs> oh, you know, come on, you're getting paid all that money and all these coaches, and you can't be organized. And so, and maybe they would have still scored, but I'd rather take my chances with eleven on the field instead of ten. But it just gets back all these coaches, all this money, and I hope and pray to God. Uh, long after I'm gone, Chris, that coaches will always feel like let's give back to this game. It was so great to me, and let's continue to give back to it rather than, did you see that, Colorado? Did you see that, Coordinator Sauer? Did you see that offensive line coach Sauer? Did you see what he's making at so-and-so? And that's the that's the, the, the reason you're driven rather than this is a great game. I love it. Uh, we can really, really uh, have an un- unbelievable, incredible experience helping young people. That's where I hope it will remain for years to come. Yeah, I mean, I, I look around at Iowa State now and Matt's staff, I, I would say it's almost twice the size of what you had. Right. Oh, easily. Yeah, 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 easily. Yeah, easily. And nothing wrong with that. It's giving more young people opportunities. I didn't mean to cut you off, Chris. No, it's good. giving more young opportunity to get in the profession. Fantastic. Every year at that National Coaches Convention, you got over 10,000 coaches from around America that go, and it's that'll increase because there's more guys getting opportunities to get into coaching. Fantastic. But let's not lose sight of the reason that we enjoyed it. And and the baton was passed to all of us many years ago, and we pass the baton hopefully on to so many other guys. This is a great game. It's one of the great sports that God ever created. It's an unbelievable opportunity. Let, let's keep giving back to this thing and do it with class and do it with dignity and do it with pride. And, and that doesn't mean you uh, uh, accept losing. That's no fun. You know what I mean? But, but have fun going to work every day and having this incredible opportunity and then knowing that there's just something different. And and I got an opportunity to coach many guys that coached in the NFL. I've only got one coach still coached in the NFL right now, Chris Ash. I think Pete Hainer retired, had two of them, uh, Chris Ash with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. But many, many, many players went to the NFL through the years. And I always just hoped and, and believed and wanted them to, don't ever forget about this incredible opportunity that you had here in college because come Saturdays now, you asked about it before, Chris, I just have a different feeling getting to watch all these college games. NFL's fine. That's great. Tremendous respect. Getting a chance to watch it, but I just don't have that same feeling in my gut and my heart um, when the NFL games come on as I do watching college. There's something about the fans, the alumni, the loyalty, the pride, everything that you it represents, all the people that walk the halls of those schools through the years that want to come back and they want to put that hat on and that T-shirt and that sweatshirt of their school and wear it proudly. And what helps that? Winning the damn games and, and building a real successful program. Do you have a favorite game? Uh, specifically from your Iowa State career, if you could go back and maybe circle one that you wanted to relive, which which would that be? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many, Chris. Honest to God, there's just so many of them. But um, in '98, you mentioned before. I mean, I knew, I felt it. I um, I was on the other side of many of those losses. The '98 win over Iowa. Uh, I just knew I wanted so badly for people to be to, to to have some pride about what we were doing and have some honor and believe that we do have a shot. And even though I was on the other side, but I knew Iowa had so much more money. They had so much more facilities. They had so much uh, many more people in the stands at the time for many, many years. They had so many more big donors. I knew all that stuff. 
but still at the at the at the heart of all of it, it came down to some guys together rallying and saying, we're going to put our foot in the sand. We're going to draw a line in the sand. Um, we're going to find a way. It still comes down to having great energy and fearing nothing and attacking everything and, and doing it with great honor and passion and zest. And we were able to do that. That one will always be one of my favorites. And then the other one, uh, just you said one, but that one, because I knew how badly, how much it meant and how badly we needed to do that, to turn it into a rivalry again. And as I ride off into the sunset, uh, whenever that final one is, uh, we we were 0 and 15, and we stopped that nonsense, and we went six and six in the 12 years that I was there. And ever uh, since then, I know there's a hell of a rivalry. And then and then winning that that bowl game when they never done it in 100 years, Chris. Damn man, that one was something. And I hear from so many people how much that game meant, and the people that were there, and the people that weren't there. But uh, that team in 2000 that did something that had never been done in school history, and and I reflected back to the days I got there, and and uh, people just laughed all the time at Iowa State football. It made me sick to my stomach, and uh, and I knew, I knew we had to stop the laughing before we were ever going to be respected in football, and uh, to take a team to a bowl championship, um, and know that um, people could be proud again of what what uh, Iowa State football represented, because there've been a lot of really good players and really good coaches through the years that never accomplished that as a bowl champion. And to do that for the first time, that one was something that will always remain real, real, real special to me. My One of mine was your, your last game. Um, I don't think I ever told you this coach, but I was, I was working, you know, uh, I was still in college, but I was working full time. And I actually, um, I sat in the stands with my, with my mom and dad for that game. Cause I just wanted to kind of experience, cause I was a fan of yours at the, <laughs> wasn't a very good journalist, but I was a, I was a hell of a fan of Dan McCartney and the Cyclones and my, a bunch of my friends are on that team. And just how that ended, like was kind of perfect. Just you getting to walk off like that, that that's one that probably not one of your biggest wins, but it's still really special to me, at least to this day. Oh, no question, Drew. I remember every play of that game, you know, and I might forget what I had for damn lunch, but I remember every play of that game. And I always uh, appreciate those guys and those seniors and the last time that we got to uh, coach together and play together and uh, very, very memorable. And uh, we beat a real good uh, Missouri team coached by Gary Pinkle that day and the goal line stand and the sack on fourth down. And I remember it all. It, it was something Ryan Cook uh, looked like uh, damn Emmett Smith running that day over 100 yards. It, it was incredible, great memory. That's why I said I have so many of them. The, the Nebraska victories after all the humiliating, humiliating losses and down at Kyle Field and watching them empty the start emptying the stands early fourth quarter when Brett Meyer and Todd Blythe and our defense put on a show that day. There's there's just so many great ones and, and great matchups. Uh, those Iowa State games, there were some incredible ones, but that one that you mentioned will always be one of my favorites and and, and appreciated it. And um, anytime that you, um, you know, we always, always want to remember and say thanks to those people. Uh, I found this out, Chris, with those incomparable spirits that helped shape your lives. Well, there was a whole bunch of people at Iowa State that did that for me. And in some small wages, we won the last game and we went out the right way. Um, and, and for me, that was a, a real special game too. Uh, coach, again, w- one of the things that I, I'm really enjoying to do now that I'm getting a little bit older, I'm, I'll be 40 next year, believe it or not. Um, is, it, eight, halfway, Chris. <laughs> well, it, I like, 
I like chatting with with you guys um, from from your generation and just getting more perspective and learning. Um, I'm actually doing one with uh, your old buddy Larry Eustachy tomorrow. Have you do you keep in touch oh, with I, Larry at all? I haven't lately. He's sending my best. Some great times together, and and be sure and ask him about the time that Pete Taylor fell down on the on the. Uh, while he's running on the treadmill ask him about that one <laughs> okay yeah i've never interviewed coach eustachy and he's he's always kind of been on my bucket list to be able to talk with him and uh just he because he seems like quite the character so the other guy and i i, I you know my officiate my, my how much i love mike leach he he meant the world to me i i just, I, I felt like you, anybody could just watch Leach and just the way he attacked the world and the way he thought about things differently. You could learn a lot. I actually had on the, on this very podcast a couple months ago, Hal Mummy came on and joined me for about an hour. Did you ever have any uh, run-ins with Hal over the years? I did not. Just great respect from a distance. And I loved his Iowa background. And, of course, what he and Mike Leach did together uh, it, it will go down in the history books as one of the all-time great. And you talk about a coaching tree, as you know, Chris. You do that your homework real well. But that coaching tree that blossomed from Hell Mummy and Mike Leach, my God, it's going really strong. And not just the coaching, but the style and the system and the wide open game and this game of space and the game of speed and the game of throwing and the game of, of, of the, all these points that are scored that drives defensive coordinators nuts. But so much of that went back to Hal Mummy and Mike Leach. Yeah. What was it like defending those Texas tech teams? I mean, uh, cause you were, you were heavily involved with Iowa state's defense. What, 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 how did you even prepare for that? It drove you nuts, but there was a rhyme and a reason behind all of it. Um, and, and you're trying to get ready in four to five days. Everybody does work in the out of season and, and during the summer and in spring, let's take a day and dedicate it to this school and all those things. But when it comes time to it, here's this well-oiled offensive machine that just drives you nuts because they make it look so easy, but it's complex. And who had the smallest, as you know, Chris, who had the shortest, smallest, call sheet on game day in the history of college football, Mike Leach. Yeah, like five plays, I think. Oh, yeah. But off those five plays, there were so many things that they knew, and those quarterbacks and those receivers and the tight ends and the running backs knew that back of their hand. So it drove you nuts. And at the same thing, at the same time, um, one of the things that kind of gets lost in the history of all that, I think, Chris, they had a damn good running game too. And they always had good. So you get so spread out and you're trying to cover down and you're trying to deploy your guys to be in the real sound coverage. And then they got a big, uh, excellent, many times future NFL running back back there that could, could, could really hurt you running the ball. And that was one of the things I think got overlooked a lot because they always had a really, really good running game. And uh, if you remember, uh, another great victory in, in our years at Iowa State was when Mike Leach came in. His quarterback was Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, uh, it, it, with, with Seneca and phenomenal. That was the that was the night of the run with Seneca. But it was hard fought. Johnny Stodani's defense played one of the great games in, in all the twelve years that I was at Iowa State, and we beat a hell of a football team and a really good offense. But I miss Mike Leach too. We text a lot more than we called, but when we called, it was always about an hour. The text messages, <laughs> you can keep them short, but he was so entertaining. And you talk about anything and everything, and he's one of those guys I really miss 
just being able to stay in touch with. He was one of the real treasures of college football. Yeah, one of the things that I I kind of regret about it not not for me personally. It it just felt like he never got to, um, you know, shore up that relationship with Texas Tech after. I mean, I'll, I'll say it. He got a really bad deal there. That he got screwed, and. Uh, if that that's one of the regrets I have for him uh, going as early as he did, that man, I, I would because it, it never really felt coach like the people at Texas Tech wanted him gone. It felt like a couple of, um, you know, we all know about the James James situation, but then there was a chancellor, and then, but it, it felt like he deserved a chance to go back there and be recognized by that fan base. That that's one that's a bummer for me. No, I, I agree all the way. I mean, there, there, there's, you talk about statues. You said something about there ought to be a statue of Mike Leach at Texas Tech. But no what doubt. he did, and and the places, in the, as you mentioned earlier, the places that he got it done, Washington State, Texas Tech, Mississippi State, those aren't the easiest places in the world to recruit to. Um, and and he was just such a such a maverick, so so cool with his approach and the things that he did. But I, I really do miss him. And and uh, but all it takes, as we know, Chris, the right people, or depending on how you look at it, the wrong people that don't want a coach in place anymore. And before long, you're going to be packing your bags and leaving. And that's what happened at Texas Tech with Mike Leach. But it'll never take away from what he did for the game of football. He's one of the legendary figures uh in the history of college football no doubt about it and i, I do want to say this too you mentioned larry stacy before just going back to that chris when we were we were rocking and rolling those days you talk about having fun now we were going to bowl games tim uh, larry stacy and billy finley are challenging and winning uh big 10 big excuse me big 12 championships going to nc2a tournaments we started to flourish a little bit in some of the other sports, the the uh, non-revenue men's and women's sports, uh, Olympic sports. We started real. It was a fun time to be there. And you know what we did? We all helped one another. And, and hopefully that's what's going on. I'm not close enough to it. I don't live there every day and I don't work there every day now. But we really did help each other, pull for one another, cheer for one another, um, help get meet with other recruits, get with a – I got a taste of that at Florida too when we would meet with the basketball players that Billy Donovan had and Billy Donovan would, Donovan would meet with the football players that we had in football. But we were doing that way before that back at Iowa State. I thought it was one of the coolest things. And let me tell you something, it doesn't happen that way everywhere. It surely doesn't happen that way everywhere. But there was no doubt Larry was a hell of a basketball coach and uh, really one of the fun people, one of the cool people, one of the great people that I was ever around in all my years of college athletics. And I will always cherish those years that we shared together in Ames, Iowa. Yeah, no, I was actually shocked, Coach. It's funny when one of your, like, one of your heroes just reaches out to you randomly. Larry actually heard me talking on a podcast about how I wanted to interview him someday, and I just randomly got an email from, from him a couple months ago. He's like, hey, let's do this. He was all about it. So I, I'm tickled, man. I can't wait to do this. Yeah, we had a lot of fun back then. You know, they've gotten everything changed now, and they go on the bus tour with the Cyclone outings, and uh, we set NC2A records for amount of outings that we used to have to go to back then. Larry, Tim Floyd, Billy Fenley, me, we'd rotate through the uh, Olympic sports, non-revenue sports, we'd rev, but we were all over the place. I mean, all over the state of Iowa. And uh, sometimes we'd golf. Many times I wouldn't, not because I'm 
uh, didn't like to golf, but I'm just not worth a damn. But I just felt like being out of the office all day to golf. There was too damn much work to do, but I'd, I'd never miss a speaking engagement. And then we'd travel together. We'd speak together. We'd have fun with one another. And, and uh, Larry was just one of the most talented guys I was ever around, not only as a coach, but well-rounded, funny, great sense of humor, um, made it fun. But his teams were freaking tough now. They were tough. It's what, it's what you see. I, I love uh, – that's why I really enjoy getting to go back the weekend to the TC, TCU game and Billy Fenley and, and, uh, and TJ Watsonberg are uh, give me the honor to talk to their teams and watch practice and be around them. And that's one of those things is just when you see – greatness and you see elite coaches and you see elite coaching staffs and you get to watch those things. I know we're, we're a young team with football right now, but nobody's going to change my mind. We've got an elite football staff at Iowa state. Those things are so much fun to be a part of and watch and cheer for from a distance. And, and then I was lucky to do it with some other incredible coaches uh, that are no longer at Iowa state. Like I'm not uh, along with the ones that are still there, like Billy Finley, that's just, through all these years and decades and, and all the changes. And there's just that rock solid stability. Uh, one of the great uh, examples for all the college athletics, which you see with Bill Fanley and what he's done with women's program through all these years, it's pretty amazing, but it's just got to be a great time uh, to be at Iowa state. And the facilities are unbelievable. The support's amazing. The fans are great. Uh, they're taking care of athletes. They're taking care of coaches um, it's a really special time, and that's why I really uh, embrace it, love it, cherish it every chance I get to come back to Ames, Iowa. Well, Mac, I could talk to you for 10 hours, buddy. Um, I'm, I'm going to come down to Florida and interview you for that book at some point, too. So I'm just warning you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get down there, and uh, we'll have a few cocktails together and take a trip down uh, memory lane. But I, I appreciate this, Mac. It's always a thrill to talk to you, my friend, and hopefully we can bump into each other here in a couple of weeks, okay? Yeah, I look forward to it, Chris. And uh, we're only 15. My house is only 15 minutes from the nicest beach in America, Siesta Key. We'll find a spot there when you come down here. All right. I'm going to take you up on that. I'll wait till it's nice and cold here uh, up at Iowa there State. Yeah. There you go. Iowa everywhere.